What a week. What a time. Love the fall. Love the fall in the in the northeast. It's one of my favorite places to be during the months of like October through December. I really appreciate hoodie weather, going into space heater weather. But before any of that, cuffing season. And it's just a really beautiful time, you know. It's a time to showcase kind of showcase your style. Showcase what you bought on sale the the season before that you're going to be able to use now. There's a lot more clothes, a lot more layers. Um, I feel like a lot more walking as well. I do a lot more traveling outside when it's less less uh, less demanding on the body to stay cool. Really enjoyed my time and it was bittersweet because this trip ended kind of on a a, a, a sad anniversary and that's what I'm dedicating this episode to I haven't had a lot of opportunities to talk about my relationship with my dog especially his passing which was really abrupt but I think we're going to take this time to talk about that kind of love and that kind of attachment in this episode so I've got a couple new toys Um, I've got some new Intro music, and we're going to start that off now. Choir. Welcome again to the Small Chops Podcast. I gotta have a tagline for this. I really need to start thinking about things I have to say every 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 week. I did get a tagline. Um, not a tagline, but I did get a an intro recording. I hope you enjoy this. You know what I'm saying? This is Small Chops, Small Chops. Small Chop, Autumn Flesh. Small Chop, Autumn Flesh. So we are here giving you another dose of Temple Tempura Temp What is it? Damn, I really gotta I gotta practice on these. I gotta practice these things. These things. Temporal tempura with these Small Chops podcast episodes. Uh, We're here to give you bite-sized, digestible pieces of life that you can enjoy throughout your day, that help you reflect, and that provides feedback in whatever relationship you're in. And speaking of relationship, this last real serious relationship that that, that ended, I guess, three years ago was with my dog. His name was Dubious. Dubious was an Australian cattle dog. And allowed me in many places. It's funny you think you'd think that having a dog, a forty-five pound dog, would limit your access to different places or even create some disharmony um, between people that you know either visit your house or that you visit, or you know people just seeing you on the street. But that couldn't be further from the truth. In all honesty, he made uh, uh, he made me look more approachable. I think it was because of how much fun he and I had together when we were out. I always try to be efficiency is something that I, you'll, you'll hear me reference again, again, again and again, because I think that's a real core part of my personality. And whenever I was taking my walks, I didn't want to just make it a walk. I wanted to make it, you know, an, an, a mental exercise as well. So we do things like, you know, stop on the corner and then I'd go across the street and I'd have him wait at the corner and, 
or um, have him kind of like jump ledges or jump in between, you know, trees or fire or fire hydrants, just things to things, things to make it not just a walk. And that fun, that I guess creativity in the, in the walk really made us an approachable pair. And while he wasn't really too keen on, you know, playing with other dogs or really kind of pl- being playful or play with people, he really got excited about the exercises or the challenges that I presented to him. And eventually, you know, as he got older, we were able to um, be more social. He was definitely more tolerant of other dogs the older he got, and boys especially because he wasn't fit, he wasn't um, altered. <laughs> he was a great dog, and um, part of that relationship was sacrifice, was real sacrifice, and it was willing sacrifice. Before I even started the relationship, I knew that I wanted to provide a a life or house or love to a creature before I did so, you know, with a human being, with a human baby, especially. Um, I think whether you're in a relationship or not, having an animal that completely depends on you for their life, for their existence or for their, for, for their ability to thrive, I would say is, is challenging. I didn't have him since when he was, since, since he was young, I uh, adopted him with a girlfriend of mine at the time as our like family practice, I guess you could say. It was really interesting being able to see that part of me or that, that episode in my life, that chapter, where I was really kind of gung-ho about, all right, yo, you know, I think I have the, the person for the rest of my life. Let's, let's, let's have a dog before we get a kid. Let's see how this works out, blah, blah, blah. And the whole dog process was pretty easy. It was some, he was actually a dog that didn't even see, you know, we were at the pound and I was looking at these chocolate labs because Mr. Grayson in, what grade was that? Fourth grade science teacher. He had a chocolate and a black lab. And I just thought that was the coolest thing. His dogs were huge to me and we had a really good time. So Labradors have always kind of been an interesting breed for me. And Lo and behold, I came home with an Australian cattle dog after I did a little bit of research and I found out how intelligent and how challenging they are. You know, I, I, I wanted the challenge. I was really excited to, to pick up, you know, where someone else had left off. And it was just that it was really difficult to adjust. Um, it was interesting also seeing him learn to ask for things that he needed so while I did have a routine and I took him out, you know, a couple times a day, if he needed to be taken out in the middle of the day for whatever reason, maybe I gave him a couple too many treats and he couldn't wait until the evening time. He would ask, you know, he would ask by communicating with me, by going to the door and then coming to me and staring me in my eyes until I was looking at him. And it was really interesting. He never barked. He never barked when I, when he wanted something. Uh, he didn't really growl. He did a little bit of talking, but it was always size or uh, just staring, just dead staring. And as soon as he gets my eye contact, then he'll, you know, try to communicate to me. And it's so, it's so weird seeing an animal think because they're looking at you from their point of view. Like, how can I get this animal to do or to, you know, to participate, in whatever I want them to participate in. And man, let me tell you that that relationship taught me a lot about nonverbals first and foremost, because, you know, obviously for obvious reasons, it was, challenging to dedicate enough attention 
to the needs of your loved one. That's something that I'm learning in relationship as well. There is a lot of energy that needs to be put towards really understanding or figuring out what that person needs from you in that moment in time. And in the long term, they may not even know how to ask for that, but you need to have enough wherewithal to figure it out, you know, to either teach them how to speak a language that you understand or to come up with a language that you can understand, you can that you can both understand some ways. It was really fulfilling, though. It was the most dedicated to a relationship I've ever been. And it's encouraging because I know I can do it. I know it's in there. I know it's possible. I know that I can be selfless. I know that I can put others first. I know that um, giving love is almost as satisfying or more satisfying than receiving it, you know, Um, and not really looking for reciprocation in the same light. I think that's one thing I learned about my relationship with Dubious that I brought into my romantic relationships is that because I'm loving one way or because, you know, I'm learning to love in a way that my partner can receive isn't necessarily the way that I want to be loved. I don't want my dog cooking for me or I don't want my dog bathing me. You know what I mean? I don't want my, excuse me, my dog. I don't want my dog doing that either, but I don't want my significant other um, doing the things that I'm doing for them. Uh, in return, you know, we, we all need different things and really being able to, to lock into your significant other to figure out what fills their cup is something that I learned from my relationship with my with my dog. And I would have never thought that I would have never thought that he would have been the one to give me that perspective. Uh, he would have been the one to give me that insight into myself and really how to pay attention enough to figure out what someone else is saying to me. Cause I also learned that just because he's barking doesn't mean he's angry. You know, be just because she's yelling doesn't mean she's, she's mad or, um, or, or hates you or anything like that. It is just a form of communication. So understanding what the bark means was great in a relationship as well. Understanding what the size mean, understanding what the, you know, when the, when dogs try to talk, it is all in an effort to meet you somewhere and to be able to pick up your, uh, what would you call it? Your stake, wherever you set your, whatever you've stuck your stake in the ground and say, this is where I am in the relationship. So be able to pick that and, and adjust and move either closer or further from your partner in one way or the other is really helpful. And that part I, I struggle with because me and my dog were together all the time. You know, if, if there was a party and my dog couldn't come, odds are I'm not coming either. If, you know, you want me to come to a wedding, blah, blah, blah. I got to find a place to put my dog. He's coming with me. You know what I mean? Like there is no, there's no doggy. They come on putting him in public school. Let's get out of here. And it was, it was just that. It was just that for, for almost 10 years. And you adjust, you get used to it. You start seeing the value of it and you don't even think about what you're giving up. You don't think about what you're, what you're sacrificing. Yeah. It could be cheaper to travel. Um, yeah. It's definitely easier to travel, um, but it's not impossible to travel with a dog. And we've been able to travel in various ways and he put up with a lot. And that's also something that I, that I've learned that sacrifice is real. And when a partner sacrifices long enough for you to, hopefully it's not too long, but it'd be long enough for you to recognize their, um, their sacrifice. And then that you're, and then you become, you, you come into a position 
where you can reciprocate that, where you can say, hey, you know what? You've sacrificed a lot for me over these last X amount of years. I want to do the same for you. I want to put you I want to put you first. I want to put your dreams first. I want to make whatever happen that you would like. I want to help, you know, fulfill your dreams and not necessarily putting minds to the side, but I want to make you a priority. And Dubious did that. You know, Dubious was with me throughout the Caribbean. Um, he was with me in Guatemala. He sailed with me. He hitchhiked with me. He did so much, so many inconvenient things. We've lived, we've slept in some, in some wildly inconvenient places for both me and him. And I made a decision to move to the Pacific Northwest heavily because of him. The, the four or five years that we were together before our move, he's never lived in a place that he could enjoy his coat. Yeah, he's a hardy dog from Australia. But he has two coats. This this dog is going to thrive in colder weather. You know, it maybe not winter, um, but he he would have thrived. He would have thrived in uh, colder weather with 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 nature. And that's why I moved to the Pacific Northwest. I mean, he was probably 75, 80 percent of the reason I, I, I pick up the move and I picked up and moved there because I wanted him to be comfortable. He was getting older. He wasn't as rambunctious as he was, but he's still very much energetic. And I just wanted him to have a more comfortable life. I don't know how, I didn't know how long he was going to live. I didn't, he wasn't sick or anything like that, but it was me giving him a chance. It, 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 that was me saying thank you. That was me saying thank you for sticking by me. Thank you for uh, being able to, to suffer through this. He was, he was a trooper, yeah. And I'm learning that in relationship as well. There's so many, there's so many parallels. Uh, there is time to be selfish. Absolutely. There's time to think about you and what you want and where you want to go and where you can take the relationship. But there's also heavy consideration. We've, when we moved to the Pacific Northwest, we lived in some very inconvenient places. Uh, and I knew it was for him, you know, but he, he was still there and I know it's possible. I don't know why it's possible. Uh, love is a wild thing and love and inter interspecies love is really unique when it comes to dogs specifically i've seen you've seen videos where uh maybe an ele- or, or a hippo i've seen a hippo try to save a, a can- an antelope's life that's in the jaws of a crocodile you know what i mean you see you see wild um i don't know you see like wild animals coming to the defense of, of other animals, not even in their pack or in their species. And I think that's remarkable. But there is something to be said about a dog because a dog is extremely selfless. I think a dog will, I mean, I haven't had that opportunity to, to see it, thank God, but dogs are capable of sacrificing themselves for the for the good of their people, for the good of their pack. And... Uh, their pack could be the family, you know. The pack could be the house that that they that they grew up in, or the house that they live in currently. And there's something to really be said about that. He was he was willing to go to the ends of the earth, no matter how inconvenient, hot, cold, you know, no matter what. He was dedicated to being at the side, and that is a very, very, that was a very new experience for me. It reminds me of one of Esther Perel's, one of my favorite questions from Esther Perel. She asks, were you raised, um, were you raised loyal or were you raised independent? And that fierce loyalty that a man gets from a dog is, it's unique. It really softened me up to 
being able to be that vulnerable. It gave me perspective. It gave me the courage to do the same in the relationships that I've been in and the ones that I look forward to being in. It's given me that ability to have faith in the fact that you can you can give your all and um that right time with that reciprocation you know it's very much con- it's very much considered but it might take a while if at all and some relationships need to be ended early and some relationships you can see to the end but giving your all doesn't mean you're going to be taken advantage of because i think it's a it's a practice one it's a practice to be selfless and if you are being taken advantage of it's also a practice to stand up for yourself. It also creates that environment and helps you work out that muscle. And I've had to do do just that. Um, and it's difficult because ego gets in the way. You don't know if this person is incapable or this person doesn't know because you haven't expressed it in a way that they can receive it properly. But with a dog, you don't have that. With a dog, you just say, hey, you know, these are the things that I know you need. And I'm sure I could have given them a lot more. I'm sure I could have done a lot more, been less strict, um, you know, allowed it to be more expressive. And there are certain things that, you know, if I if I ever do that again, I'm going to do very differently. But there are absolutely foundational parts of our relationship that I will be taking in all of my relationships, because I think love is love at the end of the day. Now, I'm not loving my dog the way I love my significant other, despite the fact that you'll <laughs> you'll hear them say, you know, whatever. But I am very much um, encouraged to look at selfless love, but I think um, thoughtful love, not not selfless, because selflessness, you know, that that's got that's got its own issues. But thoughtful love, you know what I mean? Being able to see you look at me in a way that I know there is something that I can do to fulfill your life in that moment. And it doesn't have to be, you know, health. It doesn't have to be health wise, but just being able to be, to have that awareness to say, you know what? I do have the time to see what I can do to make your day a little bit more fun, to make sure that you have enough water, to make sure that you've eaten, um, to make sure that, you know what I mean? Like you've been touched or whichever way you receive your love. It's, it's something that I'm learning uh, to apply in my relationships and I have dubious to thank for that. Um, it's weird to talk to him. So I'm going to talk about him. Uh, he's affected my life. He's affected the life of those that are really close to me. It's still strange not having him. It's still an adjustment. Um, going on walks has been one of his contributions to my life. And I do that not as regularly as I'd like. and not a, Definitely not as regularly as I did with him. But I see the value in it, getting to know my neighborhood, seeing people see me, you know, um, having people recognize me because I've been in the, in the space for a while. As a traveler, that's really important. It's really important to have people, you know, like not validate you necessarily, but acknowledge you. You know what I'm saying? Especially in tourist places where, you know, people come and go all the time. When somebody at the bodega knows that they've seen you a couple times, they'll say, hey, what's up? You know what I mean? Oh, okay, yeah, you're with the da-da-da-da. Yeah, that's it. And making those connections, however brief, is one of the most satisfying parts about being a traveler. And you never know how you cross paths again. You'll never know when you're, you know, in the Netherlands and you remember you were roommates with a guy over in Guadalajara 
And now you have a bed to stay whenever you go to the Netherlands. And you never really thought about going until you have a spot. And now you do. And now you can do that. So there are so many different aspects of relationship that can be explored, that can be taught, that can be learned, that can be expressed through having a pet. I think it's a great step. I think it's really valuable to see how someone reacts to a pet, whether it's you getting your pet, you having a pet first and you're introducing the pet to the relationship or you two having a pet together and seeing who picks up what responsibilities and tasks. Um, either way, you get to learn something about yourself that's really difficult to 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 pay attention to outside of that partnership, that relationship. And I'm a better person for it. I've definitely been opened. I've been hurt more. Um, it's been three years and I'm still very much um, not ready to do this relationship again, although I want to. I'm staring at a picture of me and him right now. And it is, it's nice to not be sad anymore. But it's also bittersweet because I think about what have I forgotten? What didn't I take pictures of? What haven't I written down? Um, what just escapes my memory or is locked away until something triggers that memory? There's so much that I don't want to let go of, but it's, I guess it's necessary. And I think that was his last lesson to me is being able to let go, being able to, uh, well, I don't, I don't know, being able to let go without giving up, without forgetting, um, being able to let go of the body, but always holding on to the spirit, the emotions, the lessons, um, the evolution. And that's one thing he's provided for me. He's provided a way for me to evolve as a loving partner, and I'll be forever grateful. I haven't been ready to invest in another dog yet. I don't want to compare. I don't want to regret the new dog because he's not dubious or she's not dubious but i do want to exercise my heart again in that in that way and i look forward to that and i look forward to this this felt cathartic but i think that it's going to help i'm i'm really looking forward to listening to to this episode again and i'm really looking forward to hearing your feedback or your communications your relationships with the pets in your life, whether they're pets that you grew up with or ones that you gave away in the divorce or the separation or the breakup. And that's another aspect of it too, right? You know, having someone, oh man, having someone recognize that, having your partner or your ex-partner recognize that this dog is a part of your life, is a big part of your life, and not looking to make your life more difficult by having some sort of co-parenting you know, situation or co-owner situation. There's just so many parts of love that I learned from my relationship with him, and it, all did, it didn't all just come from him. It came from my community. It came from the people that remembered him, that have given me stories about him when they've taken care of him or when, they, when he you know, broke out of a friend's house looking for me and he found his way over to a pound and blah, blah, blah. It's just, it's just so many, there's so many stories, and there's so many ways that... My life has been forever affected. And I truly, truly appreciate the ability. I truly appreciate the growth. And that scar on my heart that I hope never goes away. 
because this has been one of the most special relationships I've ever been in. Whew. Wow. This was, <laughs> I didn't expect for it to be so emotionally charged. I'm going to go blow the snot out of my nose and enjoy the rest of my afternoon. I hope you do the same. It's another episode of Small Chops Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I can't wait for your feedback. Until next time. Then Joe.